Hello, my Rebels. Today, I give you an update on what Rebel News is doing. I'll talk to you about the news and I'll show you some video clips. But really, I want to go through about a half a dozen things that we're doing here at the Rebel. And, you know, we don't just talk about the news. We try and fix it. We try and get involved in these terrible stories, often with lawyers, but also with advertising, billboards. Today, we'll talk about lawn signs and stickers. Anyhow, I wish you could see those stickers. And a way to do that is to move from just getting the podcast to watch the video of it. We call that Rebel News Plus. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. But actually, during this election period, for a few more days, you can get a month for free. Just use the promo code election. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, an update on what we're doing to fight back. It's September 17th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. I can't believe it, the timing of it. We just had our big presentation in Regina that we called Uncancelled because when the little censors in Regina City Hall canceled their invitation to Dr. Patrick Moore, the co-founder of Greenpeace, when they deplatformed him, we replatformed him. And then the pandemic hit, though, but we finally managed to have the event on Tuesday. And while it was great, we had sold close to 2,000 tickets originally, and we lost a few hundred over the course of the past two years. People asked for refunds, reasonably enough. Of course, we gave it to them. But 1,500 people stayed with us all the way to the end. Now, not all of those 1,500 attended, but it was well over 1,000 in a huge and gorgeous venue. And of course, Dr. Moore's talk was great. My favorite part is always meeting rebels from around the country. And Saskatchewan is always such a friendly place. Um, I mean, there are many times, of course, I grew up in Alberta, so Saskatchewan is quite familiar to me. But it was fun to bring other rebels to the event, including a few who had never been to the province before, including uh, Alexa, and the chair of our advisory board, Raheel Raza. I mention this because it was fun, but because right after the event, Saskatchewan went nuts and locked down again too, calling for a vaccine passport too. They followed Alberta into another unscientific, illogical, punitive, authoritarian, endless lockdown, surely unconstitutional. I'm really glad we got in there during the brief interregnum, but of course, it's a disaster for freedom and normalcy that the province has slouched back into rule by unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. No vote, not even a debate, just do it. Um, here's the Saskatchewan Health Authority's annual report. Look at page 15. If you can see what that is, it shows month by month the number of hospitalizations and the number of people in intensive care. And you can see that every single month in 2019, before the pandemic, there were fewer people, or there were more people in hospital than the next year, 2020, during the pandemic. So compared uh, right to, to the hospital right before the virus, you compare that to the worst of the virus, and what do you know? Literally every month during the virus, there were fewer people in the hospital than there were before the virus. Hang on, I thought that we were in an emergency. I thought we were in a crisis, the worst thing since the Black Plague. No, the hospitals were emptier than the year before. That's from the Saskatchewan Health Authority's own report. Now, I'm sure some of that is so-called elective surgeries being postponed. Now, if you have cataracts, let's say, or a hip replacement, is that really elective surgery, non-essential? That's a word that's being thrown around a lot, isn't it? 
your job isn't essential, your rights aren't essential, your non-essential surgery is being postponed. That's why I don't clap along at these emetic TikTok videos of nurses dancing in empty hospital wards because they told us we're in a crisis. They told us we have to lock down so we don't overwhelm the hospital system, but they have time to choreograph and practice and record elaborate videos on some children's video app. That's one of those double standard things. One of those things that show how the ruling class lives versus those who are locked down. Did you see Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wearing a designer dress that said tax the rich at the Met Gala? That's the richest, fanciest, most decadent party of the year in New York City. Tickets are $30,000 US each for dinner. By the way, AOC said she was just showing how subversive she is. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Here's the Babylon Bee with their take on it. Powerful. AOC writes, tax the rich in the sky with her private jet. That's funny. They're the best satire site on the net. You know, Marshall McLuhan said the medium is the message. You ever heard that before? Sometimes I, I honestly don't know what that means, but I know what it means here. It means tax the rich is not actually the message. Uh, the medium is. The medium is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez living like a rock star, living like a celebrity. That's the message. Let me show you the real message. New York Representative Carolyn Maloney claims to support equal rights for women. Notice how all the male and female staffers and members of the press are forced to wear masks while she does not. Some people are more equal than others. Yeah, exactly. Here's AOC herself with masked servants. Yeah, you sure showed them, didn't you, with your dress? Justin Trudeau went to a hospital to campaign last week, a hospital where you or I could not go, even if our family was in there, because of COVID rules. But he went in for the photo op. My point isn't just that the hospital let him, showing what they really think of the danger of the virus. It's not just that Trudeau, again, proves rules don't apply to him. We've always known that. But the entire media party that tags along with him on this campaign, they went in with him too, and not one of them objected, and obviously not one of them declined to go in because of pandemic rules. They know the rules are BS. Do you need a thousand more examples? Like Barack Obama's intimate birthday party the other week with hundreds of maskless partiers, or Alberta's Sky Palace, where the premier and health minister had boozy parties while banning the businesses down below. Here's Trudeau trying to fit in at the G7 leaders meeting in UK a few weeks ago. No mask, super spreader event, because he's important and you're not. Uh, so they're important, but uh, children who are largely untouched by the virus have to live like this in school. But all the above fades compared to the new threat, forced vaccinations. You know, the Hippocratic Oath, you ever heard that phrase? That's the ancient doctor's motto, do no harm. It's a holistic statement, physical harm, mental harm, side effects, unintended consequences. Every patient's a little bit different. That's why we each go to the doctor ourselves, and he or she asks us specific questions about us. And we can even get a second opinion. But there are no doctors involved in the forced vaccination. You don't get the vaccine prescribed. You just go down to a mall or a pharmacy or a political event and a non-doctor will just jab you. You're not assessed as an individual patient. You're not in many cases given all the information about side effects. Here's the government of Canada's official list of side effects from the Pfizer shot. Do you think one in a hundred Canadians are read this? Even that many? It's not informed consent if you don't have the facts, if you don't have a medical professional assessing if you need it at all. We don't prescribe medicine to people who don't need it. 
Then again, there are no prescriptions for this medicine at all, are there? So it's unlikely informed consent, but is it consent at all? If you're doing it under duress, if you're forced to do it, if, if you're forced to do it, if you're threatened with the loss of your job, with the loss of your ability to leave your house and go to public places, it's not consent. If a tyrant says, without undergoing this medical procedure, you will not even be able to meet in private in your own home. For unvaccinated people who are 12 and older, they will not be permitted to attend any private indoor social gatherings. It's not consent if you're being threatened with having your children taken away with you. There's a divorced dad who's been writing to me saying that if he, the dad, doesn't get the jab, he's been threatened with losing access to his own children. That's not a real choice, is it? That's, that's not free and informed consent. That's a shakedown. That's a threat. You could even call that a form of extortion. That's what thugs do. Remember this scene from The Godfather? Well, when Johnny was first starting out, he was signed to this personal service contract with a big band leader. And as his career got better and better, he wanted to get out of it. Now, Johnny is my father's godson. And my father went to see this band leader. And he offered him $10,000 to let Johnny go. But the band leader said no. So the next day, my father went to see him, only this time with Luca Brazzi. And within an hour, he signed a release for a certified check of $1,000. How'd he do that? My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. What was that? Luca Brazzi held a gun to his head, and my father assured him that either his brains or his signature would be on the contract. So that band leader had a choice. <laughs> he was given an offer he couldn't refuse, as they say in the movie. Here's how Trudeau would phrase that offer you can't refuse. Would you support policies that prioritized vac vaccinated patients over those who are unvaccinated who are in there because they made that choice? I have heard uh, from uh, healthcare professionals across the country who are as we know, exhausted from the past year and a half, who are worried about their own loved ones, who are you know, working incredibly hard to keep all Canadians safe, whether they're vaccinated or unvaccinated, but who are expressing increasing frustration and little bits of anger that they are spending so much of their time trying to save people who could have saved themselves. And now is the time for people who are still resistant to getting vaccinated to realize that that choice, which has consequences on putting our kids at risk, which has consequences at having us risk uh, more lockdowns because they haven't chosen to get vaccinated yet, that there will be consequences for those people in not being able to go to a gym or a restaurant, not being able to go to a movie theater, not being able to get on a train or a plane. You don't want to comment on the triage because it's a provincial jurisdiction, but so are movies, so are gyms, all of those types of things. And you also say, you, you look pretty angry about it, that they're putting you know, kids and people who are vulnerable, vulnerable at risk. Um, are they not putting some people who may not get the treatment they need in hospitals at risk? Um, 
And yes, we can all say to a certain extent that it, 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 it is um, unfortunate that people who chose not to get vaccinated are now the ones clogging up our ICU systems and our hospital beds that should be available for people who did their work and did get vaccinated. That is really unfortunate. And that is why we are unequivocal. They don't get to put others at risk by not getting vaccinated. When the top lawmaker in the country threatens you with dire consequences if you don't undergo a medical procedure that no doctor prescribed for you, that's not free and informed consent. But, but who can fight against this? If you're a nurse, can you fight? I mean, you just saw Trudeau say that nurses were near to angels or saints or whatever. Oh, unless they disagree with them. And how dare they have their own opinion that's not his? Well, 20,000 nurses in Quebec don't want to take the vaccine. They've done just fine without the vaccine these past 18 months. But Quebec says it's going to fire them. Health Minister Dubé very firm that 20,000 Quebec healthcare workers need to get vaccinated by October 15th. How can they fight? Well, they have unions, right? Solidarity together, strength. Where, where are the unions? A few are fighting back the Toronto Police Association. How ironic, considering how brutally they enforced the lockdown themselves. They literally sent 100 riot cops with horses to destroy a smoked meat restaurant that didn't close during the pandemic. That was fun for them, an exciting day of terrifying women and children, a chance to bring out the horses. They loved it. They love beating up reporters, too. In the name of the lockdown, here, here's a picture of them having a go at our reporters. Um, but look at this. Uh, there's no bloody way they're going to be jabbed themselves. They're telling the city to stuff it. They're not going to be vaxxed. Their union is fighting behalf, back on behalf of the cops. And of course, they're going to win. Now, I despise the hypocrisy, the ease with which these cops are ready to enforce the jab on others. But I have grudging respect for their ability to compartmentalize that from their own self-interest, looking out for number one. That's a good union. That actually fights for its members, no matter what the bosses say. I'd love to be in a union like that. And I bet a lot of unionized people would, because unions across Canada are selling out their members more than they're defending them. Jerry Diaz, the boss of Unifor and a close Trudeau ally, has basically said he's not going to fight for any Unifor member. So, they don't have any rights because being in a union means you delegate your rights. You give them to the union to bargain collectively is the phrase. And Jerry Diaz is happy to take your union dues and happy to take all that power, but he's not going to upset his buddy Trudeau. So who can fight back? Well, we'll do our best. Let me close with a list of things you can expect to see in the days ahead. Many things we've already started. First, we're delivering our huge petition, over 125,000 names. I think we're up to 133,000 of Canadians against forced vaccines. You can sign up at novaccinepassports.ca if you haven't signed yet. We've delivered the first 125,000 names and we'll keep going till we hit our goal of 200,000. It's clear that politicians don't care what mere voters think. So we're going to court too. We have filed our first lawsuits against the vaccine mandates. We filed our first lawsuit against the BC vaccine passport. We've served notice on a major union that is not representing its members. That's another lawsuit we've started. Uh, we're currently drafting a lawsuit against the Alberta vaccine passport. We've hired lawyers in other provinces too. And we'll have news very soon about strategic clients we're helping in Ontario and Quebec as well. This is such a large project we're working on. Uh, we have decided to hire 10 in-house 
lawyers. We, we just hired one a couple days ago. We have more in the pipeline. Things never move as quickly as I want them to, but they're moving. I expect we'll have a flurry of announcements next week, including some cases that have already made the news. We're doing something else too. You see this friendly looking sticker. We have two versions of the sticker. It says, we won't ask. And it's with the website, we won't ask.com. I know we have a lot of websites. This one, we're giving away for free to anyone in the country. We'll mail it to you. We encourage you to make a small donation to help us cover the cost of the mailing and the sticker. But you can also go to our website, we won't ask.com and print it off yourself on your home or office computer. And it's simple. It just says, you will not be forcibly conscripted by the government into being some secret policeman for the biomedical security state. You just won't do it. You're not going to ask people about their personal medical history. That's what voyeurs do. That's what secret police do or peeping toms. Put this sign on your business, at your cash register, on your door, on your home for when peeping toms come by. Yeah, no, come back with a search warrant, you bizarre thug. And you know, we love lawn signs, right? We've done them to fight the carbon tax and to promote books like Sheila Gunn Reed's Stop Notley book and my own The Lebranos book. Well, we're making lawn signs that say we won't ask. Put it up at your home, on your front lawn. Put it up at work. Show the world that you are not going to be a snitch, an informant, a discriminator. You're not fine with how this is going. Obviously, we're going to put up billboards too. We've got our first video jumbotron truck billboard going out tomorrow. We're going to do public events where appropriate. We'll do them with the nonpartisan charity, the Democracy Fund, whose official CRA mandate includes civil liberties litigation and civil liberties education. So they're sponsoring a question and answer session with Tucker Carlson. On Tuesday night in Toronto, he's appearing by Zoom to talk about civil liberties in the age of COVID. You'd think that Canadian civil liberties leaders would be talking about it, but they're not. So maybe an American cares more about our freedom than our Canadian establishment does. You can join in person if you're in the Toronto area, but we've actually uh, got a way where you can watch via Zoom no matter where you are. Details can be found at rebelnews.com events. The Tucker meeting on Tuesday is in Ontario. We're having an in-person event. I'm hoping to do a similar event focused on Alberta. Now, that's just things I can think about off the top of my head. They're not all of equal importance. I love the stickers and the signs because they're a symbol of solidarity for grassroots citizens. It's just like when I used to see people wearing the I'm exempt uh, mask buttons. Um, you can see, if you see this, we won't ask symbol on a lawn sign on someone's yard as you're walking through the neighborhood, you would know you're not alone. You would know that not everyone's happy about living in a surveillance state, an authoritarian state, a segregated state, a biomedical security state. I know if that's the, I don't know if that's the least important or the most important project, but it's, but it's a good one. Our fightvaccinepassports.com project is the biggest, that's for sure. That's the 20 strategic lawsuits. It's so important. We've got some great lawyers, but I I hope we can get a great judge. You know, two weeks ago, we gave Trudeau an utter shellacking in the federal court for our right to attend the leaders debate and ask questions. I'm glad we won. It was great. But boy, in the grand scheme of things, fighting these fast forced vaccines is much more important. I, I hope that we win there. We'll do our best. You can help us in so many ways at the websites I've mentioned, or even just by sharing this video and spreading the word. This is the time. This is the last ditch. This is when we fight. Speak up now <laughs> or forever hold your peace, my friends. Stay with us for more.
So while there, I was thinking that Alberta would be Canada's version of Florida, that Jason Kenney would be the answer to Ron DeSantis. Kenney was a freedom fighter pretty late into things. It wasn't until around the fall and Christmas of last year that he went full lockdown, but he switched from being a Ron DeSantis-like touch to being the most brutal premier in the country, really from going to DeSantis to uh, Andrew Cuomo. And what's frustrating is that when he finally took his foot off the neck of the province and stopped the lockdowns, he said he would never go back. Here's a clip of that saying, Alberta was free forever. Take a look. Sorry, sir. But I just want to ask you if, like, because of the method that we have right now is open for some, so I'm worried. It's open for like, good. Open for good. Are you sure that? It's open for good. I don't want to go back to the I swear, I swear to God. Yeah, not that I What's your position on vaccine passports for those individuals unwilling to be vaccinated? Opposed. And we've been very clear from the beginning that we will not facilitate or accept vaccine passports and that, in fact, we regard, I, I believe that they would, in principle, contravene the uh, Health Information Act. Yeah, that lasted about two or three months. And I have this terrible feeling that the only reason he wanted to lift all the lockdowns completely is that so he and his MLAs and his staff and his buddies could go on vacation. Because when they tried to go on vacation themselves over Christmas, they broke their own rules. They were all caught as cheaters, and he had to sack a whole bunch of them, including his own chief of staff. But now that he had his own vacation out of the way, he's going to lock down the problems. That's my own speculative theory. But it's deeply disappointing to see someone who swore he would never lock down again, lock down extremely hard, and someone who claimed he didn't even know what, what's a vaccine passport. I don't even know what that is. Remember this clip? Uh, we have no capacity to, to, I don't even know what a vaccine passport is. All I know is this, that it's illegal based on the Privacy Act to ask somebody whether they've received a certain medical procedure or not, including a, a vaccine. So uh, the government of Alberta at least will not be participating in anything like that. Yeah, do you really think that he didn't know what a vaccine passport was? Here's Doug Ford, who's too dumb not to, not to tattle, saying that every single Canadian premier was in agreement they wanted a vaccine passport. Here's Doug Ford. All the premiers, every premier wanted a, a vaccine passport. And uh, unfortunately, the federal government decided to go to an unnecessary election, which I, I'm still shaking my head over, in the middle of a fourth wave. So now Alberta has literally the harshest lockdown in the country because I don't think there's ever been a lockdown anywhere in the free world that I know of where you cannot meet in person if you're not vaccinated. You, you can be completely healthy. You, maybe you've already recovered from the virus and you have natural immunity, but now you're banned from meeting at home if you're not vaccinated. Take a look at this. For unvaccinated people who are 12 and older, they will not be permitted to attend any private indoor social gatherings. Are, are they going to go house to house? Are they gonna come into your house and demand to see your papers for being in your house. I find it astonishing that that's happening in Alberta, a province whose motto is strong and free. And joining us now via Skype from the heart of Alberta is our friend Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter and our, our Alberta Bureau Chief. Sheila, how you doing? I'm, well, I'm disappointed, boss. I mean, Jason Kenney has been nothing but a disappointment. You said um, in your intro there that he has sort of gone full Cuomo, but I would say that he's more of a Newsom in that uh, Governor Newsom 
was frequently caught breaking the regulations that he imposes on everyone else. And that's been the same case with Jason Kenney, who held his private meetings up on the Sky Palace with the health minister while arresting business owners for just trying to stay open and imprisoning pastors for 35 days. Yeah, you're right. I just, I don't get it. I mean, I, I when I was a young man, uh, when I was in college, in law school, UVA, I met Jason Kenney. We became good friends. Then we went to Ottawa together in something that we dubbed the Snack Pack. It was a riff on the liberal rat pack and making fun of the fact that we were all a little bit chubby. And um, I, mean, I got to know Jason pretty well. He used to be the head of the Taxpayers Federation, which constantly called for smaller government. When he was in Ottawa, he sort of styled himself as the true conservative one. Mm-hmm. And um, I just don't know how he's managed to be co-opted. I don't know if he believes it. I don't know if he's just totally removed from reality. He's surrounded by people all day who say the same thing, so he believes that's the way the world is. You can That can happen to you. If you're surrounded by one clique of people, you say, well, everyone says this. No, it's just everyone in your little pod. I don't know. Or maybe he just can't fight the public health deep state. Uh, maybe he's being threatened by the prime minister. I, I don't know. Maybe he truly believes in this. I, but I, I just can't make heads or tails of it. It is so contrary to the Jason Kenney that I felt like I knew for 20 years. Alberta is, and maybe we're not all unique in this, but really the public sector unions determine who gets elected. We saw that's how we got Rachel or Rachel Notley, but it's also how we got Alison Redford. She campaigned as a conservative directly to the nurses and teachers unions, sold memberships to them, and they voted for her. And she came right up the middle to become the leader of the party. And so they do hold a lot of power in the province. So is he being leaned on quite heavily by the public sector unions, the healthcare unions, the enormous, powerful healthcare union? Maybe. I was just looking at the numbers before I jumped on the call here with you. Alberta spends more than any other province in the entire country on healthcare delivery. Thousands of dollars more per capita than they do in Saskatchewan and in socialist British Columbia. And yet we have far worse outcomes and we have a healthcare system, if you believe the premier and you believe the healthcare unions, that is on the verge of collapse for an extra dozen or two ICU patients. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's crazy, but you know, I knew the writing was on the wall here that Jason Kenney would not hold the line when I was looking at, like you say, the people who are around him. We see this sort of vortex of pro-locker downers all around uh, Doug Ford, and that's who he's listening to. Well, I saw that Jason Kenney's lawyer, the UCP lawyer, the guy who sends the cease and desist letters, Hmm. um, Stephen Delansky, very entrenched federal conservative and conservative here in Alberta. And he was tweeting on his Twitter account, uh, pro-vaccine passport things. While at the same time, Jason Kenney was saying and telling our journalists that he was against vaccine passports. And that's when I knew Mm. he's already getting the legal advice to do these things. And it's only a matter of time. You know, I remember um, when Kenney had a press conference a few months ago talking about the lockdown. He sort of complained um, that American hospital, American states, because they're not government run, Healthcare, they have so many more hospital beds than Canadian provinces do. And he, and because that's the nature of having competitive hospitals versus a single supplier. And there's a technical truth there, but we're almost two years into this thing. 
Like yeah. we're, we're a year and a half into this thing, and that may have been the case a year and a half ago. Why aren't there more ICU beds? And, and I say that because you're so right. So there's a few dozen extra cases in ICU and you're locking down the entire province. That can't be right. And, and I showed this graph earlier that all, all summer, Tyler Shandro, the disgraced health minister, was closing ICU beds. It went from about 260 beds to 200. First of all, it's, it's shocking that there's that few ICU beds in a province of four and a half million. Like that, that's just so bizarre to me. That should be the number in Calgary and Edmonton each. And second of all, why are you, like this is the one thing that you don't need any scientific studies for. Do you need more hospital beds or not? How about if you don't think you need more, how about just don't close them in the middle? Like, yeah. it, it, I almost think, because that's so staggeringly stupid, that he literally started closing hospital beds to gin up a crisis because I, th th nothing else makes any sense. Now, in the last few days, they've panicked and opened a bunch more. Okay, so then they showed they can do it. I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing is just so bizarre to me. Here's what scares me, Sheila. Um, Jason Kenney and his cabinet, they don't deserve to be reelected. And that's hard for me to say as someone who's been a friend of Jason until, you know, I, mean, I haven't talked to him in the last six months, but I mean, I've been friends with him for 20 years. And I actually really believe in him as a conservative and one of the good guys. I think he's yeah. been astonishing here. Um, Tyler Shandro may be the worst health minister in the country. Yeah. Um, but if they're down in the polls, God forbid, Rachel Notley comes back in and she's worse in every way. Yeah, I mean, they've left Albertans with a catastrophe unfolding right in front of them. Do we hold the line with conservatives who are no better than the NDP? Or do we opt towards the NDP who we know just, you know, a few short, year, short years ago, they were destroying the province So what? do we do here? And I think it is incumbent on conservatives, both within the party and outside of the party, conservative voters, conservatives who are within the UCP, and some of those dissident MLAs who want to save their own skin and their own seat coming up. It's time to do a little bit of uh, political hygiene here and get rid of some of these locker downers. Jason Kenney has been completely shut out of the federal election campaign. And you and I both know we've seen this for years. Jason Kenney, in prior years, he was one of the most popular campaigners for the Conservative Party of Canada. They would deploy him everywhere, all across the country, particularly good at wrangling up the new Canadian vote. Mm -hmm. I've, I've seen a Chinese grandma jump over a table to hug him. I've hmm. seen it with my own eyes. Hmm. And so... Um, but there's none of that happening right now because he's so wildly unpopular. The problem is Jason Kenney hasn't figured out why, why he's wildly yeah. unpopular. And the conservatives in the federal party haven't figured it out either. And it's because he's not conservative. Yeah. He's appealing to the wrong people. Yeah. I think it's probably easier for a critical mass of UCP MLAs. In fact, more than a dozen have already signed a letter opposing lockdowns. It's probably yep. easier for them to break off and form their own new party than to try yep. and defenestrate Kenny from, like, to try and dislodge him as leader. Why would you even do that? Why not just take your, your marbles and go set up your own party? You would instantly 
uh, have enough for official party status. And I think the success of Maxime Bernier's PPC party, which has a very small budget, whose leader is from Quebec and frankly has a fairly thick French accent, whose candidates are not well known and frankly, I don't even know how vetted they are. But the fact that that party is in double digits in the polls and respectable double digits in Alberta shows how thirsty and desperate people are for anyone to use the language of freedom and to be skeptical. And so I would say to any MLAs and even cabinet ministers in the Alberta government, get out now. If you're not yeah. going to get out for, over this vaccine passport thing, you'll never get out. Get out now. And that momentum that Maxime Bernier is getting, get it for yourself. Recruit candidates. And, and you can truly say that, that Jason Kenney and Rachel Notley, there's no, there's no daylight between them on this whole lockdown issue. I find it stunning to say that. But Sheila, it's true. Last word to you. Well, it is true. And, you know, it's as an Albertan who watches politics and watches politics very closely, we watched the old progressive conservative party come apart after 40 years, this new UCP is coming apart in just four. We are going to see the unraveling back to the, whatever they'll call it, but the Wild Rose rural party and the urban pro-union sort of pro-lockdown uh, middle of the road Tories. We're seeing that happening right now. We're going to see it even more as we approach the next election, because if there's anything I know about politicians, they want to save their own shirts, and that will prompt a lot to break away. Yeah. Well, very frustrating times, and uh, there's such a void out there. Mm -hmm. Maxime Bernier is filling it because no one else is at the federal level. No one is filling that void at the provincial level, and it's aching to watch, but we'll keep people posted. Sheila, great to see you again. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on, boss. All right, there you have it. Stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back. Dean Poet says it's gone from two weeks to flatten the curve to two years, and there is no end in sight. The so-called medical professionals should not be trusted. From day one, they didn't want to treat COVID. The corrupt medical system instantly went to vaccines as the solution. They send people home to die instead of treating patients. These medical advisors should have their pensions rescinded. After all, we're in this together, aren't we? You know, so many different institutions have failed. I think the colleges of physicians and surgeons haven't just failed to stand up. They've actually been enforcers trying to terrify rogue doctors from giving second opinions. I think a lot of the doctors have failed terribly. Uh, I think it's also a bit of a trick for public health uh, doctors who haven't seen a patient in decades to have the floor instead of doctors who actually see patients. I remember about a year ago, we took you through a large survey of hundreds of frontline doctors treating COVID around the world, including in China, actually. And it was a survey of those doctors of what medicines do you, did you use? And hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin were recommended by doctors all over the world, the actual frontline doctors. Look, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if that works or not. I, I don't know if ivermectin works or not. A lot of people seem to swear by them. Ivermectin won the Nobel Prize uh, not too many years ago. It's bizarre to me how censored those alternative remedies are. 
In fact, specifically on YouTube, if you mention ivermectin as a possible remedy for COVID-19, your video will be struck down. If you say the word, if you write the word, they will detect the word ivermectin and take down your video. I've never seen that for anything else in the world. Deb Wilson says, what in God's name has happened to the police force in Australia? How fearful it will be for them when they stand before God to answer for their abuse of authority. All right, fair enough. But I uh, hope that there is some reckoning before they get before God. I mean, surely there are other checks and balances in our civilian society that can hold these police and politicians to account before that. So far, I haven't seen them in Canada. Sandra Beaton Krause says, has Kenny lost his brains? Paid off? What's with him? Just voted himself out. But God help us if Notley takes his helm. It seems since people have become more aware, speaking out and protest marches, ironically, a big one had been planned for tomorrow. How convenient. We are being so conned and Trudeau is an evil example of democracy. Tired of the lies. Kenny, a major disappointment. So much evil swirling around in government. God help us. That's what scares me about Alberta. I think Jason Kenney is detonating himself, but he's detonating himself on the right and the left. No one on the left will support him. They all want to get back to Rachel Notley, who will be even stricter than any of that. I think he's just a disaster with liberty-oriented, freedom-oriented Albertans, with Albertans from small towns and rural parts. I, I just really don't know who he thinks his base are anymore. I mean, the media hates him more than anything. I just don't get it. And I used to know him pretty well. Uh, I think there is a, an extreme risk that Jason Kenney will actually lose and hand the government back to the NDP. And I think the most likely remedy, but I, one that I don't know if the party has any courage for, is to have him defrocked as the leader of the UCP or for the UCP to split. Remember, it was a union between the Wild Rose Party and the PCs. Well, maybe let Kenny stay with the lockdownists and maybe an anti-lockdown party will spring from it. I don't know, but it's bad news. That's our show for today and for the week. Until Monday, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.